Master Rock Green Diana Palmer's book, Tough to Tame, Chapter 8. Cappy didn't sleep, of course. She was replaying the last 48 hours in her mind all night, sick with worry about Cal. It was her fault that Frank Bartlett had even had ever gotten near them. If only she hadn't been so flattered by his attention, so crazy about him that she ignored Kel's warnings. If only she hadn't gone out with him at all. Pity, she thought, that people couldn't set the clock backward and erase all the stupid things they did, like getting involved with Dr. Bentley Riddle, for example, she told herself. That surprised her to find him at the hospital. Somebody in Jacobsville must have told him what had happened, and he felt sorry for her. Maybe he was willing to overlook her smarmy past long enough to check on her brother's condition. I didn't mean he believed her innocent or, what a, or wanted to get involved with her again. Which was just as well, she told herself, because she certainly wanted nothing more to do with him. She got up and dressed in the same clothes she'd worn the day before. She hadn't packed anything. She'd have to call Keely and ask her to go to the house and pack up a few items of clothing for her and Kel. But she'd make sure Keely got an armed person to go with her in case Frank was waiting around to see if Cappy turned back up. When she opened her bedroom door, the two men were arguing over the coffee, the tiny little coffee pot that came with coffee as a perk for staying in the hotel. There's not enough for three people that I was muttering refusing to let go of the pot. Then you can get yours at a cafe because I'm having mine here, the other man said coldly. We're all having ours at the hospital because I'm leaving right now, Cappy and Ford then started thinking. Say what you get. Save what you get for starting a fight. Now neither of us is having coffee. Dead I scuffed as he turned off the coffee pot. And put the little Catherine back in. You started it first. The other man scolded. Cappy ignored the banner and opened it. Hold it right there. Dead Eye was in front of her in a heartbeat. His hand under his jacket as a tall man walked into view in the hall. He stood immobile, waiting. But it wasn't Frank. It was another man and a woman. And a child suddenly appeared behind him and started talking to him. Nice day, Dad. I told him there was a smile. Huh? Oh, yeah. The man smiled back and herded his family ahead of him down the hall. Dad, I stood aside to let Cappy out. Wait until one of us makes sure it's safe, he told her in a kind voice. Men who commit battery without fear of arrest are usually not planning to go back to prison. If you get my drift. You might decide a bullet is better than a fist. Sorry, he said I didn't think. <sighs> That's what we're here for, the other man said, following her out the door and closing. One thing for you. Well, will you take it just then, did I, friend? The other man indicated his sleeve. The little bit large knife was in his palm. Flexed his hand and snapped back in place. Learned that from side park, he said. He taught me everything I know. Then, what are you doing with Ed? Learning diplomacy. He said it through rigidity. They say my attitude needs work. Then I opened his mouth to speak. Captain beat him to him. And you think I need an attitude adjustment? She exclaimed the other man. She us. We should get to the hospital. Captain just smiled. So did a dead eye. When they got to the hospital cafeteria, it was already full. One of the tables was occupied by a somber Dr. Riddle moving eggs around on a plate as if he couldn't decide between eating them or throwing them. Cappy's traitorous heart jumped at the sight of him, but she didn't let her pleasure show. She was still fuming about his assumption of her guilt, without any proof except the word of a man who was a stranger. He looked up and saw her and grimaced. 
What made the first game for you, dead I asked puzzling. I can do it discreetly. Yeah, like you discreetly first that guy at the airport. That's archive mansion. Isn't it? Isn't he suing? I apologize. He's dead. I retorted. Before or after airport security showed up. Well, after, but he said he understood how I might have mistaken him for an international terrorist. He was wearing a Hawaiian shirt and flip-flops. The best disguise is on Earth for a spy, and I have to know, why are you still live in Fiji? Did you really? Cappy asked Bethany. I've always wanted to go there. Have you? Did I look past Sir Bentley? You had gotten up from the table and was moving toward him. Now might not be a bad time, he advised. Bentley had dark circles under his eyes from lack of sleep, but he was just as arrogant as ever. He stopped in front of Kevin. I'd like to talk to you for a minute. She didn't want to talk to him and almost repeated her words of the night before. But she was tired and worried and a little afraid Frank. Didn't matter now, anyway. Life in Jacobsville was already over. She and Kel would start over again here in San Antonio once the start was over. All right, she said, Willie, I'll be okay. I'll be a minute, guys, she told Deadeye in his back. You can get coffee. Finally, Deadeye went, I'm having caffeine withdrawal. Is that why you look so ugly? The other man's on it. They moved off, still fencing verbally. Who are they? He asked as he seated her at his table. Bodyguards, she said. Epscott, none them to me. I want coffee. Please. He went to the counter and got coffee and a sweet roll and put them in front of him. You have to eat, he said when she started. I know you like those. You bring them to work in the morning sometimes when you have to eat on the run. See, Shark, thanks. He put sugar and cream to her side of the table. I found the nurse's desk on the way here on my cell phone, she said. Well, they say, he said Kel's having his bath and then breakfast, so I'll have time to eat before I went up to see him. I talked to him briefly last night, he said. She was around. It's family only. They posted it on the door. All that. I told them I was his brother-in-law. She glared at him over her coffee. Yes, he had the cream. Well, they let me in, he said. She lifted up the cup and sipped the hot coffee with an expression of absolute delight on her face. He was about as friendly as you are, he said. I screwed up. She nodded. With a vengeance, she added, so glaring. He pushed his plate of cold scrambled eggs to one side. His pale blue eyes and her chin on her After what happened to me, I was down on women for a long time. When I finally got to the stage where I thought I might be able to trust one again, I found out that she was a lot more interested in what I could give her than what I was. His face on. You get gun shy after a while, and I didn't know you, Cappy. We had supper a few times, and I took you to a carnival, but that didn't mean we were close. She stared at the roll and took a bite of it. It was delicious. She chewed and swallowed and sipped coffee, all without answering. She thought they were getting to be close. How dumb could she be? During a long breath and sipped his own coffee. Maybe we're getting close, he admitted, but trust comes hard to me. She put down the cup and met his eyes evenly. How hard do you think it comes to me? She asked boldly. Frank beat me up. He broke my arm. I spent three days in the hospital. Then at the trial, his defense attorney tried his best to make look as if I'd deliberately provoked poor Fred by refusing to go to bed with him. Apparently, that was enough to justify the assault in his mind. You didn't sleep with him. Blair took him. No, I think people should get married first. He looked. <laughs> she flushed over her eyes. So I live in the past. 
Cal and I have deeply religious parents. I don't think he took any of it to heart, but I did. You don't have to justify yourself to me, he said quite. My mother was like, I'm not trying to justify myself. I'm saying that I had an idolistic attitude toward marriage. Frank thought I owed him sex for a nice milk and got furious when I wouldn't cooperate. For the record, I didn't even really provoke him. He beat me up because I suggested that he needed to drink a little less beer. That was all it took. Kel barely got him to me in time. That longer. My stepfather and my mother once for burning the bacon when they were first married. I was 15. What did she do to him? She told me. I took him out back and knocked him around the yard for five minutes and told him if he did it again, I'd load my shotgun and we'd have another shorter conversation. He never touched her again. He also stopped drinking. I don't think that would have worked with Frank. I'd rather doubt it. He started her away me. You've been through hell and I haven't helped for what is worse. I'm sorry. I know that won't erase what I said, but maybe it will help a little. Thanks. She finished her own coffee, but when she got through, she put two dollar bills on the table and pushed them to No, he exclaimed his high cheek flushing as he recalled with painful clarity his opinion of her as a gold dealer. I pay my own way despite what you think of me, she said with a quick pride. She said, money doesn't mean so much to me. I'm happy if I can pay my bills. I'm sorry I gave you the impression that I'd do anything for it. I won't. She turned and left him sitting there with his own harsh words echoing in his mind. Kel was lying on his stomach in bed. His bruises were much more obvious now, and he was pale and weak from the surgery. She sat down beside him in a chair and smiled. How's it going? She asked gently. Badly, he said with a long sigh. Hers like hell, but they think I might be able to walk again. They have to wait until I start healing the bruises at bats before they know for sure. But I can wiggle my toes. He smiled. Oh, I'm not going to prove it. Because it hurts. You take my word for it. Theo, she brushed back his unkept hair. Real boss came by last night. He said, well, he explained what happened. I gave him an earful. So did I. He's back. I'm not surprised. He's very correct. I wouldn't. I won't do any. It won't do any good. She said to him. I won't forget what he said to me. He didn't believe me. Apparently, he had some hard knocks of his own. Yes, that explains it, but doesn't excuse it. Point taken. He glanced past her to him. You got bodyguards? Yes, some of Beb Scott's guys. They don't like each other. Chad has a chip on his shoulder, and Rook likes to take pot shots at it. Chet has a chip on his. Which is which, yes. We've lost an eye overseas. Oh, that eye. His uncle went out. That's what he calls himself. He's got quite history. He worked for the CIA over in South Pacific for several years. Now he's trying to get back in. His language skills are rusty, and he's not up on the latest communication protocols, so he's studying with Ebb. Chet, on the other hand, he's trying to land a job on private security for overseas embassies. He has anger issues. Anger issues? He tends to slow people who make him angry. He doesn't go well in embassies. I can understand that, she cried. How do you know them? He's like, that's a long story. We'll have to talk about it when I get out of here. She was adding up things and getting uncomfortable. Kel, you weren't working for a magazine when you went to Africa, were you? She asked. That's one of the things we'll talk about, but not now, okay? She relented. He did look very good. Okay. She'll leave General Hale as much as 
You're my brother and I love you. That won't change. Even if you tell me blatant lies and think I'll never know about them. You do sharp for your own good. I've been told that. Don't stray from your bodyguards, he cautioned. I have to agree with him. I think Frank, Frank's not planning to go back to jail. He'll do whatever it takes to get even with you. And then he'll try suicide by cop. Jail would be better than death, certainly. Frank has anger issues, too. Just flex the arm of them. I notice. Don't take chances. Promise me. I promise. Please get well. Being an orphan is bad enough. I can't lose you, too. I'm not going anywhere. After all, I've got a book to finish. I have to get well in order to do that. Yes, David. Cal, they wouldn't come here and try to finish the job. They did on you, Chef. I have company. They do. Move it. The military rejects. Came a deep voice from the door. Tall, familiar-looking man with silver eyes and jet black hair. Moved into the room, just in boots and jeans and a Cambridge shirt, carrying a phone cup cup. Kill Ravens, yes, but aren't you working? Seriously, not tonight, he said. <sighs> I had a couple vacation days I was owed, so I'm babysitting your brother. Thanks. Thanks, he said, Bob. I'm getting something out of it, he chuckled. I'm stuck on the middle level of a video game, and Kel knows how to crack it. Is it Halo over yes, that I asked? I'll beat it. Yeah, on a user level, I bet. Shut shut. I said it on normal for your information, he said. Well, I did it on legendary, Kelmer, so shut up and take care of my sister, or I'll wipe the floor with you when I get back on my feet. Then I gave him a neat salute, shut shrug. See you later, Captain kissing her brother, shut chick again. Where are you going, yes? On a job interview, she said. Brenda's boss might have something part time. Are you sure you want to move back here, Kelly? Yes. Good luck, then. Thanks, see you, Kelly. Raven. Thank you, too. Yeah. Keep your gunpowder dry. Tell them, she pointed her two fingers. I hate guns. Bite your tongue, Kelly. Said a mock horror. She made a face and went out the door. There were two companions right behind her. Bentley met them at the elevator. Where are you going now? Yes. Yes, dear. Job interview. Look, said for her. You can't leave the clinic, Bentley said. I don't have anybody to replace you yet. That's your problem, she shouted. I don't want to work for you anymore. He looked on. Besides, Cal and I are moving back to San Antonio as soon as he's healed, she said dumbly. It's too far to commute. Bentley looked even more worried. He didn't say anything. Aren't you supposed to be at work? She shouted. Dr. Kingsville and informed me, said. Until when? His eyes. Pale eyes look. So I can convince you to come home where you want. Please hold your breath. She walked around and went to the next open elevator. She didn't even look to see which direction it was going. It was going up. She was stuck between two oversized men and two perfume soaked women. She started to cough before the women got off. The men left two floors later, and the elevator slowly started down. Wilson sat heaven, looked settled with a dreamy smile, inhaling the air. I love perfume. It makes me sick, Chef mother said. It makes me cough, Captain. But obviously you two don't like women as much as I do, looks cool. They both glared at him. He raised both hands, palms out, and a bit in defense and grinned. The elevator stopped at the cafeteria again, and Bentley was still there, smoldering. Captain glared at him. It didn't help. He got on the elevator and pressed the down button. Where do you think you're going, Captain asked him. On a job interview, he said, okay. Maybe they need an extra veterinarian where you're applying. 
Does this mean you're not marrying me? Look, wheeled him up. You're marrying him? I am not marrying anybody, Cappy Mother. You can marry me, he said without looking at her. I'm established in a profession, and I don't carry a gun. He had a look importantly at the butt of Rook's big 45 auto nestled around his arm. Seven more established in a profession, Rook agreed. And never had to use a gun isn't a bad thing. Diplomats don't think so, Chet Mom. Let's only until other people start shooting at them and you save their butts, Crook told him. Chet I hadn't thought of it like that. Come on, Captain Grown when the elevator stop. I swear, I feel like I'm leading a parade. Anybody got a trombone? Look, cast people waiting around the elevator. Cappy caught his arm and dragged him along with her. They took a cab to the veterinarian's office. The car was full. The men were having a conversation about video games, but they left Cappy behind when they mentioned innovations they found on the internet about how to impossible things with the equipment in the Halo series. Using grenades to blow a scorpion up onto a mountain. Hey, whatever works, Fukuoki. Yeah, but you have to shoot your buddies to get enough grenades, Jet said. That's not ethical. This, from a guy who lifted a policeman's right gun right out of the shock of his car, Rook said. I never lifted it, I borrowed it. Anyway, everybody was shooting rifles or shotguns, and I only have 45. Everybody else's was bigger than his, Rook transmitted with an angelic pose. Jet is off. Stop that. See what, see why he can't get a job with diplomats. Rook holding his arm and mock pain. I'm amazed that either of you can get a job, Jack Cummins. You really need to work on your social skills. I'm trying to, but you won't marry me, Rook crumbled. Of course she won't. She's marrying me, Rook said smoke. I am not, Cappy explained. No woman is going to marry that marrying when she can have a dashing spy, Rook commented. Do you know one? Bentley asked calmly. Rook glared at him. I can be dashing when I want to, and I used to work for the CIA. Yes, but does sweeping floors count as a real job? Check one now. You ought to know, Rook told the other man. Isn't that what you did in Marlins? I was the president's bodyguard. And didn't he end up in the hospital? Well, here, Chappie said loudly in the caring where the cap stopped. And the right is Dutch treats, he added. I'm not paying for cab fare for bodyguards and stubborn hang-oners. Who's a hang-oner? Rook asked. Well, Cap was already out of the cab. Three men followed her when they settled their part of the fare. She walked into the veteran's front office where Katie Snow was still holding down the job of receptionist. She was 24, tall, brunette, and had soft green eyes, and a pleasant rather than pretty face. She smiled. Hi, Cappy. She really Come to visit your old stopping points. Actually, I'm here to apply for something part-time. Brenda said that, but I didn't believe her. Katie replied, son. You just moved to Jacobsville. Well, I'm moving back. I'll buzz Dr. Lambert, she said. Press the button on the phone. She spoke into the receiver, nodded, spoke again, and hung up. He's with a patient, but he'll be out in a minute. She looked past Captain. Can I help you? She asked the me. I'm with her. Me too. I'm applying for a job too, Vincent. I thought you might need an extra vet. He's not. Who are you? Katie asked me. He's my ex-boss, Captain Moore. You're Dr. Rydell? Katie. But you have your own practice in Jacobsville. I do, but if Kathy moves here, I move here. He said stubbornly. 
We might move here too, I can interview for a job here too. I can type. Liar. Shit, shit. You can't type. I can learn. All you know how to do is shoot people, Jet said. Sir, it's illegal to carry a concealed weapon, Kate began nervously. Gabriel, he was most charming. I'm a professional bodyguard and I have a permit. If you'd like to see it, I'll take you to this lovely little French bistro downtown and you can look at it while we eat. Katie stared at him with the ground horns. There's a guy stalking her, Jet told him. We're going to catch him if he tries anything and turn him over to local law enforcement. Stalking you, Katie stammered. Cappy glared at the tumor. Thank you so much for making me an employment liability. Look, made her a bow. Chet just glowered. Bentley beat. <laughs> I don't mind employing you, not one bit, Bentley said. These do can work for the groomer and will protect you. I'm not grooming anything, Chet told him. Bluntly. Okay, then you can deal with Shirley Klein. Bentley compromised. Jack gave him an appropriate look. Actually, I know how to green things, Rip said. I won't shave the monkey. Cappy said, There you are, a pretty thing coming out of the back in a green and blue polka dotted lab coat. I talked to Dr. Lambert, but he said we've already got more pot timers than we can spare. I'm so sorry she had misery. What's your address? Bentley asked. I'll send you flowers. I thought you wanted to marry her, Chet pointed at Kathy. Brenna's eyeglass. Who are you? She asked the doctor. I'm a hired. I'm a hired. Assassin! Look at for him. I don't kill people, I just shoot them, Chet I only wing them, look at it. Are we going back to Jacobsville then? Regarding these men, Brenna's. Well, these two are my bodyguards, she indicated them, and that's my ex boss. Why is your ex boss here? She asked. I won't see. He was going to get a job here too, but there are no openings for part-timers or vets. So, I guess we're all going back to Jacobsville, Cappy said miserably. That is, if Frank doesn't shoot me first, nobody's shooting you, Rukushoda. You can bet on that, Chet said. Brenda smiled. Thanks, she's my best friend, Cappy. Thanks anyway for trying. Okay, see you, Kate. Kate waved as she picked up the ringing telephone. Her eyes were still on Rukushoda. He grinned at her. Come on, let's go, Cappy told him. How's Kel? Brenda asked, walking him out. He's going to make it. We don't know if he can walk for several days, though. If you have to go home, I'll visit him for you. I can't leave just yet, Cappy said. Not until we find Frank. Brenda stared a bit, and he was all smiles. Aren't you going back to your practice? When we find Frank, he commented pleasantly. You're not part of the bodyguard unit, Chet reminded him. I am now, Bentley sure is that smooth over again. I'm in until the end. Cappy hated the rush of pleasure that comment gave her, so she disguised it by hugging Brenda and promised to keep in touch. End of chapter 8.